Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back, friends, for another edition of Disciple Making. Uh, Darren Wright is my friend. I'm Tim Beadle. And we're here quite anxious to get into this book that we've been uh, reading together. And uh, uh, Darren, you actually have a, an ongoing actual contact with Damien Girk in terms of his book, In the Way, Church as We Know It, uh, can be a discipling movement again. So that aligns with uh, what we're all about, uh, disciple-making, making disciples who make disciples. And uh, as we leap into this section, uh, we're not starting at the beginning of the book. We're actually uh, starting in a section that is entitled, Who the Church Is, which usually isn't what we say about the church. It's more as, a, where is your church? But this is who the church is. Do you want to use that as a springboard, Darren, to get us sure. into our podcast today? Yeah, sure. We're we're actually focusing in on on the part two of the book, which is about contrasts between what we call legacy church, you know, church as we know it, and disciple making movements. And the first set of contrasts comes in under the heading of who is the church, which you know, as we were talking before before we start recording, uh, that's a question you don't often hear. You always hear where is the church or what's the church or, but even in the way this question is asked, it points to a bit of the answer. That it really, it really is around people. And there's five contrasts in this section here that we're going to work through. Whether we get through all of them right now or not, I don't know. And uh, the five contrasts have to do with organizational identity, our orientation to the world, our organizing principle, our organizational structure, and people's self-perception. So again, the contrasting between existing legacy churches and disciple-making movement. And so on the first one there, Tim, organizational identity... Uh, the contrast really, as we've already alluded to in the title, is location versus people. Exactly. You know, location versus of, people. Yeah, a lot of people think, you know, where is my church? And immediately they, they think of the building, a building that cannot go anywhere. In fact, even if you search the word church in dictionary.com, it talks about a building for public Christian worship. It's a place and gathering. And a lot of people, when they talk about uh, what church do you go to? It, it's all about the location, the size, and things like that. Whereas uh, the challenge here, the contrast here, is that the, the, the church isn't so much a place where we gather, but it's a people that gather and uh, are identified in that way. In, in every, in every uh, church, there's an organizational component and an organic component. We've spoken about this before. Uh, in fact, even in Scripture, in the Gospels, uh, when, when Jesus is speaking about his people and he will build his church, some of the word pictures he uh, provides us are a body, a bride, a branch. And all of those things have organizational components, but 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 the essence of it is the organic, you know, a healthy body and a faithful bride and a fruitful branch. So we have to make sure that uh, we step back and again realize that the church is more than a place that we gather. Yeah. And I know, you know, we probably have heard it in all our churches at different times where the emphasis is, you know, the church is not the building, the church is the people. Like I've heard that for yeah. years. Yeah. However, look at where the attention is given. <laughs> the attention is given to the place, 
you know, as much as to the people. In fact, that's why one of our taglines in 12 churches, lose the building, build the people. (laughs) Because because there's a tension there, right? Once we have a centralized facility, that begins to dictate how our ministry takes place, the shape of our ministry, the limits of our ministry. And for a lot of churches, the building becomes really a shackle to what they're called to do in terms of making disciples. Yeah, it does for sure. You know, uh, just just as you were talking about that, uh, I was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, uh, the difference between uh, a building or a school building, you know, where you went to high school or college, or a school of fish. You know, uh, a school of fish doesn't meet in one place. They're, they're mobile and they, they sort of end up going all over the place. Uh, but that's the differentiation between uh, what traditionally we have always thought. You know, during COVID, it was interesting. We had to pivot really quickly, uh, Darren, because people stopped coming to the building. <laughs> so what did we do? I think most people, they spent a lot of time developing content to bring people into an experience that they would have had in a building rather than building community, Mm -hmm. uh, new expressions of community. And that again, really exposed uh, the default in terms of what church is to us. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and Tim, you know, even as you say that new expressions of community, I think that bridges naturally to the next, to the next contrast, which is the orientation to the world, which is come versus go. Yeah. Because to me, Tim, it's interesting that we we sought new new forms of community rather than, and this is documented, rather than new forms of mission. Yeah, yeah. That that the emphasis again, there's nothing wrong biblically with the community; it's essential. But community, uh, partly due to the trauma of the time, rose to the forefront, and mission kind of went along the sideline. And so this mm. this come versus go contrast, really, I would say, is a contrast also not just the legacy church and disciple making, but the Old Testament model of mission and the New Testament model of mission. Yeah, people are stuck in the weeds, as it were, because if you view the church as a collective of all that happens in a location or building and associated programs, and most of them sort of closed down during COVID, then, then people view themselves as spectators, like at an event or participants in a program, Um and we've lost the, 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 the missional core and center in terms of who we are called, not what to do, but who to be. So, uh, and this sort of dependency on uh, a place pulls us back from full engagement of the Great Commission, which is one of going into the world and making mm-hmm. disciples. I'm uh, sort of planning my next message, and it's going to be on the, the life of John the Baptist. Whenever I think of John the Baptist, I think of a snow shovel. A snow shovel is designed to create a pathway. And John and, you know, Matthew 3 says that, that he wants to make straight away and prepare a path for the Lord. And uh, I'm going to challenge people that when you consider yourself, yes, we have to be salt and light, ambassadors, open letters. Think of yourself as a snow shovel. The snow shovel is useless if it's sitting inside a building, leaning up against the wall. But... Uh, you get a snow shovel going and it can create paths for people to follow. And of course, in disciple making, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. It's a progressional going uh, in, into the world for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- that whole following Jesus yeah. as he wants to be followed. You know, 
this whole issue of community versus mission is something that I've wrestled through on a deep level, and that's tied to the location and everything else. But, you know, again, another thesis I have is that it's it's mission, that community forms around mission. Yeah. And it's in the going, in the unity and in the mission that the community forms. And that was the model of Jesus, where he was already on mission, and he invited people to come join me, join me in my mission. Yeah. And and I think that's really where community and reunity comes from. And and the the disciple making model of going together on mission, I think builds the strongest community. Yeah, it sure does. And I think mission, if it were to be one side of a two-sided coin, the other side is vision. That vision and mission go together. I always think in the old testament. Um, yeah, people didn't like slavery, but they sure wanted to go back into it when they realized it was going to cost them something <laughs> to actually accomplish the mission of getting from here to there. But I think it was the vision that kept them going, the, the vision of a place called the promised land with milk and honey. Can you imagine them smacking their lips after 400 years of, of a desperate uh, lack of uh, milk and honey in Egypt? And so I think when we talk about the mission of the church, even Jesus you know, in Hebrews, it says uh, that we are to fix our eyes on him who for the joy set before him, that's the vision, that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. So Jesus was willing to suffer for us, not for the sake of getting a job done, but he saw beyond the cross the vision of, of uh, what that would mean for us through all eternity. And uh, so often, uh, people say, well, yeah, we have to do the mission of the church, but it, it needs to be tied to the, the grandiose vision of who we are and what God has called us to become in him. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's beautiful, Tim. And, you know, it, it's it's back to back to what is our locus of mission? Yeah. Is it about people coming here or going there? And again, that's, that's a huge differentiator between yeah. how we often do church, where it's about come here, attractional model. I mean, I, I, I look at job descriptions of pastors all the time. And I just looked at one recently where they very explicitly stated that their church used the attractional model, Yeah, you know, the come here model of mission. And uh, maybe that worked in Christendom, but I don't know that it's working really well right now. I think, yeah, I think in fairness to church and church programs, there's a lot of really good programs in the church, but sometimes as Christians, we just sort of uh, sit back and expect programs to produce uh, things that it wasn't designed to produce. I, I think I've said this story before. Uh, my son-in-law is on the pathway, uh, you know, I believe and prayerfully to find Jesus. Um, but I said, why don't you come to Alpha? Because Alpha is a good program. But I came with him. I didn't send him there. And hopefully things worked out. I actually walked with him through that and then answered questions afterwards. So I think the church and location is important. Uh, as a gathering place, because I know churches that don't gather anywhere. And eventually some people said, well, I want my kids to go to a youth group and they, they want a place. Uh, but that's not the main thing. Mm. The main thing is they are just tools by which we can live out our calling as disciple makers and bringing people to Jesus. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, we saw, you know, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, you know, the, they, re they responded to the needs with, quote, yeah for lack of better, ministries or programs, right? right yeah. The hungry widows, they they yeah. appointed some people to take care and to form this ministry. And it's a response. What I like, though, is it's a response to what the Spirit's doing. Exactly. That they then form those structures. Rather than, you know, when we plant a church now, typically the model is location. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. I remember taking a church planning class back in the 80s, and the guy said, you know, the three rules of church planning. 
location, location, location. It's like, that's about a building. It's good, for real, good for real estate sales, perhaps. Yes. No, Jesus, Jesus didn't die so that we would come to church. Hmm. Died so that we would become the church. And he's, he's not about attending something. It's it's about following someone. And, and that's the that that's the tension that, that people want to get back to the building. Hmm. And it's good to see people coming back. But if, if they just want to go back to the good old days yeah. that have gone, and then love and come back again. <laughs> so we're sort of in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah. Well, well, this this third contrast, Tim, I think is in part a function of the location model. It's yeah. it's our organizing principle. Yeah. Differentiation versus unity. Let me explain what that means. It basically says, typically our churches, our denominations are identified by how they're different. Yeah, that's true. You know, we're in, in this location. We have this doctrine. We have this polity, that kind of things. And in disciple-making movements, what you very quickly see is that the the organizing principle really is about unity yeah. and focusing on some of the core issues of Christ. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of quotes from that section of the book here. Here's one quote. Division is a luxury often associated with freedom from persecution. Yeah, exactly. In other words, if we're in a situation where we can where we can form completely separate organizations based on a tertiary point of theology, yeah. we've obviously got a lot of time and freedom on our hands. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And I think denominations are obviously man-made um, sort of responses to, we used to call it, you know, homogeneity, right? So we can sort of, we have enough in common that we want to hang out together. Mm. And that's why, and that's not all bad, but if that becomes the organizing principle of, of, of the unity of our church, we have trouble because we're basically coming together because we're not like other people. And uh, the diversity in the world uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic, there's less and less that we actually have in common with people these mm. days. And that's a real challenge. Now, the, the, the one thing that Jesus gave to the church was the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples, you know, teaching them to obey everything he commanded. Uh, yeah. But if we don't keep that primary, I think that's what Girk says in this section, uh, culture and generational perspectives, tradition, they need to always be secondary and unimportant as compared to keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is living out, fulfilling the Great Commission with him with us till the end of the age. Oh, yeah. No, that's the unifier. Let me read this quote I had marked uh, from that section. I think it's on page 95 of the book. In my own life, intentionally practicing this unity has been a truly unique experience. I found that the doctrine or theological questions I consistently dealt with in a legacy church setting rarely materialize in our particular disciple-making network. Hmm. Topics that were frequently controversial in legacy settings, like election, assurance of salvation, end times interpretation, validity of the sign gifts, these things rarely occur when the primary focus is on disciple-making. Yeah, there you go. And it's back to, like, that becomes, then mission becomes the unifying factor. Yeah. yeah. And it becomes the identifying factor. And I think we're in a situation, Tim, where, where whether it's churches or ministries or denominations, their differentiation could be that they actually are focused actually on disciple making. Yeah. Wouldn't that be, Wouldn't that be an excellent differentiator? Yeah. Well, when you think the great commission, it's a co-mission for the making of disciples to the glory of God. And I think personally, the, the, the churches that survive and actually thrive in the coming days are those that actually get back to the basics of the mission of the church Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, I want you to build my church. Or he says, mm. I'm not going to build your church. 
his church will be built on the premise of obedience and alignment to the Great Commission. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's so excellent, Tim. You know, I, I think I'm going to, I think we should tie this one off right about here, Tim. Okay. I just want to just refresh these three last contrasts. Yeah. Location versus people. In a legacy church setting, we're often focused on location. Yep. In disciple-making movement, biblically, we're focused on people making disciples. Our orientation to the world, traditionally, we focus on come here. Again, come to this location. But our orientation is to be go. Yeah. The, going, the going model. Uh, and then this whole idea of differentiation versus unity. Rather than figuring out how we're different than other Christians to kind of carve out our space, we should be focusing on how we're united in making disciples. And if people can be united in... I would say who Jesus is and what he's done. What's the way of salvation? To me, those are the primary issues. And we can we can gather around that in a disciple-making ministry or disciple-making movement. Yeah, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, mm-hmm. our practice of unity, we can keep in mind when we say, you know, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is a place of unity, I'm mm-hmm. imagining. And could it be that we just don't mouth these words, but we really uh, pursue the heart of God in being unified, uh, identifying ourselves as a people, not a place. And oh, yeah. uh, the posture of our heart is that of going more than coming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, again, that's where we need to fight for unity, Tim. Uh, any any further thoughts as we close down this little piece here on who the church is? Well, I, I think, Darren, that uh, this isn't something that you sort of talk about and then put on the shelf. <laughs> This has become uh, an ongoing, hmm. uh, an ongoing conversation, and uh, because of COVID and the challenges now of people coming and going and different views, um, I think this this could actually for for those pastors or elders or leaders, uh, this could actually be a focused discussion at every leadership table hmm. uh, across the country, uh, because if we're going to try to rebuild something that has been dismantled. Uh, and I think God has been pleased to pull back, to prune the church so that it can become more fruitful. It's not going to become more fruitful from just going back to the same old, same old. Mm. Yeah, this is just a, such a natural time, Tim, I think, in history to revisit the purpose of the church and say, how do we make disciples in this time and place? Yeah, And then adjust our ministries and our locations and everything else accordingly. And, and it's my conviction that it's probably not going to be my or your generation who will lead the charge on this, it'll actually be looking to those who are the church, you know, those a generation younger who really don't care about structure and organization. They care about relationships and cause and mission. And that might shake up the apple cart as well in terms of inviting them to sit at the table and listening to them and aligning our ministries about what they naturally and spiritually are doing in following Jesus. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I just this morning heard some data that, uh, of the, you know, the boomer generation in general, this is stateside stats, in general, they're attending church less. Yeah. Millennials yeah. are attending church more. Yeah, I heard that as well. There's an increase as well as Gen X. And so the leadership shift is going to happen. But I don't want to let our older listeners oh. off the hook or me, me oh, or you off the hook, that. Tim, that as long as we got a pulse, we're supposed to be involved in, yeah. you know, the renewal and the making disciples and modeling what that looks like. Yeah, I think I think the boomers who occupy most, most occupy most of the seats around the leadership table uh, can actually uh, get a bigger table and add a few more chairs for those who are coming alongside us for sure. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's just a few contrasts yeah. of uh, identity. There's a couple more we'll hit next time. 
Uh, thanks for joining us on Disciple Making. It's good to be back uh, with Tim after we scattered a lot through the summer months Great. and we're back at her. And uh, hope you join us next time for Disciple Making, where we're going to talk about a couple of other contrasts around organizational structure and people's self-perception. And uh, again, highlighting what uh, what that looks like in legacy versus disciple-making movements. Amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.